And welcome everybody to Between Two Wheels podcast episode 296. Today we've got stage eight in the 110th Tour de France, Libourne to Limoges, 200.7 kilometers. Um, look, every day is a surprise. You can't guarantee breaking history. Things seem inevitable. They don't always come true, but we've got some comments on what happened. Big crash, big person out of the race, and also a surprising yet not surprising sprint finish. And then tomorrow we're going to go up to Puy de Dome and then have a rest day. So I hope everyone's excited, ready for a quick recap of stage eight coming up next. Massive the number of people have been upgrading. Yes, there you go. You see the graceful win that you're talking about before. The race we've got yet again, and a victor then goes victory to an American Andy Hampton. The belt of go fight. He looks at the Colombian rider. How are you doing? Straight past Santiago Patero, and he's coming up to Pantani. Armstrong is uh, sitting in the last few hundred meters as we come towards the finish of this monumental stage in Armstrong. As we start to approach the line now, Pantani grits his teeth and accelerates and over the line. He's going now to win stage number 15. Sepkus, an emotional finish from Durango in the USA. Sepkus wins. Here we are, as uh, Zimni says, Laborn identity to Limoges something. Not a, I don't know what that. A good, good, good little pun there. Welcome everybody. This is Tyler Yonke. Um, things are moving along. Uh, look, I, I, it was interesting about that open. I, I drew some clips. If you watch it on the on the YouTube at all, or, or I guess Facebook, or, or even Twitter that we post out on um, the bars, the length, uh, the, the width of the bars of Lance Armstrong, it looks like he had at least 45s, maybe 44s, if not. And now you have riders that have those punched in the hoods are all tilted in, uh, kind of a unique thing to see. Um, anyway, let's, let's get right to it. Everybody, um, 110th edition of the tour of France. And over those span of years, you've got one of the greatest ever, uh, Eddie Merckx, with 35 victories, or 34 victories total, stage wins, time trials, whatnot, team time trials. I don't know how that's all worked in there. And then you've got him tied with Mark Cavendish at the same. So Mark Cavendish decides to extend his contract, comes back in, wins his last stage at the Vuelta. I'm sorry, at the Giro. Comes in, close call yesterday. Would would you have wanted him to be relegated or him being Phillips and relegated to give Cavendish this Bonus win, I don't know. Tech comes into today and wrote Horner Road with 56 centimeter bar. Were they? Was I thinking of the numbers wrong? 40 some seems right. 56, maybe. Maybe I had 52s. I don't know what I had actually at the time. Uh, I'll have to look and see. Um, 
So Dimini uh, says Horner Road with 56 centimeter bars. That seems wide. Maybe I'm remembering the, the numbers wrong. Uh, welcome, Victor. Between Two Wheels is live. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what I want to say about Cavendish, and you saw yesterday the narrow miss, the, the slip of the gears, those things that happen. It put it in perspective. And I'm no Cavendish, like uh, sycophant. Okay. Uh, but it does put into perspective, and then you see kind of what happens today. We're going to talk about it, which is he crashes out, breaks his collarbone, or they said the pin came out. Uh, so it's probably going to have to be surgery and whatnot, and likely this is his last Tour de France. But with that in mind, it, it does put into perspective of how precarious it is to get through the tours, and then also how amazing it is to get 34 wins. I mean, you gotta you got to understand, just getting through is amazing to get your one win. You know, some people makes or breaks their, their whole career, and then he puts up 34 of them, which is uh, tremendous. Um, so it does put that in perspective of the amazingness of that. And then you have today what happens, and and, and the wreck itself seems pretty uh, minute. Okay, so uh, we go from Liborne to Limoges, and um, I found this here online. Um, let's see, where is it? There, let's play this. Can maybe, how do you pronounce Liborne? Huh? Liborne. Okay. There you go. Oh, let's remove that. Okay. Um, so uh, I thought, well, this, as we always do, let's walk through the uh, the highlights for the day. Uh, I don't know why they're showing Grimier here, Grimier here on the beginning, but um, he came very close yesterday. And um, we talked about who, uh, why I kind of predicted would come into today. Uh, obviously, Mads Pedersen was definitely a person. Wout Vanert was a, another person I predicted to be up there. I also said Matthew Vanderpool. But uh, look, the, the reality is Matthew Vanderpool is doing what you would expect him to do as a great teammate. And, and he's had such great lead outs is if you've got Philipson, if, if Philipson doesn't show up at the finish, then you're going to see Matthew Vanderpool. If he doesn't show up, if he does show up at the finish, you're going to go for Philipson, but there's some climbing to be had. So we'll have to get through all that part. Uh, Jakobsen, not so much. Uh, there's, I don't know who this is for Ineos. Uh, there you go. Liborn to Limoges. So they do head north ish. Kind of heading out towards the uh, the central part, the coming off the coast just a bit, 200.7 kilometers. There's the stage profile for the first 70, 30, or 100K almost, uh, 120, 130K. It's pretty much uh, not too too much. Got You got a sprint in there. You got a cat three that they start to hit at the, and then a cat four and a cat four in the last 70 kilometers. And that's when everything really starts to uh, hit their stride. Uh, Brian says he would have 143 if he hadn't spent his career dropping chains. Uh, Talking about um, horn, uh, sorry, um, Cavendish, of course, uh, possibly uh, there there has been an issue with some drop chains in his in his career. Um, is that the specialized that he rides? I don't know. Um, early on, look. So look, is this, is a is a breakaway going to get away today? Mads Pedersen does try to get up in the break. That's his best chance. If he gets, if he won a stage last year in the Giro. I mean, in the Tour, and I think he won in the Giro too. But he won the Tour, and he also won him in the in the Vuelta. I think he won the green jersey or the sprinters jersey in the Vuelta as well. Uh, dude's been having a good. Good run of it since he won the world championships uh, several years ago, uh, 2018, 19, somewhere in that range. Uh, anyway, he tries to get up in the break today, which obviously is a good chance for him, but it really wasn't the, the thing to happen because most of the teams and what happened with when him got up in the break um, and, and some other guy, well, I think it was him specifically. And then Cavendish at one point kind of got up the two. Then you saw Jumbo coming to the front, showing their cards early and saying, that, 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 that. We're, we're in here for Wout. 
and we're going to chase you down. So, which they did. So a little break got up the road, but it was not insignificant. Um, then you had this uh, sprint spot here. Um, we'll, we'll look into exactly who won it, but it looks like Philipson did. Cav is right up there in the, in the mirrors, uh, Mir Maurice for Bora. Bora had a few guys in there. Right after this, Astana kind of took off. Matt DeVagner pulls up there. Uh, Cavendish is actually getting up in the break, and it might have actually served him better. And this is when Jumbo says, nope, uh, we're going we're gonna to bring you back. So they bring back Philipson, they bring back Cavendish, they bring back uh, Matthew Vanderpoel, and they let this three-man break kind of get up the road, which there was some weirdness with DeClerc and then Asgreen kind of mixing it back and forth here with their – I'm not sure that Lotto really knows what they're doing. Uh, but here we go. Here's the big move of the day. Uh, there was just a little – collection here the, the guys weren't going hard at all and um, you just kind of have a little bit of a, a slowdown some people are let's mute this and we'll actually do a few little oh they don't really show it all here but i did see with the nbc the camera and then you can see cavendish he's down his glasses are spilled out and he immediately knows that his problem with his shoulder i did see nbc showed kind of a close-up when they do a zoom in you can see that there was the guys weren't going very fast at all and all of a sudden cav is kind of coming up to someone he locks his brake he goes up and over the handlebars, almost a dead stop and slams. Now, what's interesting is, was it the Giro this year where he came, he got like fourth place sliding across the line on a sprint finish when he got, yes, he was on the right-hand side. He got locked up, kind of came off. His balls hit the top tube. He comes flying across on the left side and then lands and slides across. Next day, he's up and running. That's what's so crazy about cycling. You can wreck like that and be okay and or ish. And then something like this was pretty innocuous and he fell down and just pop. There goes his shoulder. Uh, broke the collarbone or the shoulder. And there was a pin that they said that it had in there, I think in 2017, and it popped out. So they're going to have to obviously do some surgery with that. Um, I've crashed. Some of the worst things I've done is actually um, gone down with low speed. I was doing it in a, in a crit here in Folsom. I had my bike bag with me and my bottles. And I was going to the car and I couldn't get clipped out in a zero not, not zero miles an hour, and I just fell straight over on my hip, and it was a problem. Uh, Brian said, uh, Master cyclists need to be more careful with osteoporosis. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it appears happened here. So, um, look, if you're watching this, so then Cavendish, and there he is, he's distraught, he's getting in the ambulance right away. It's pretty bad. Now, I, I listen to GM, there's three ways that I, I personally can uh, watch the tour. Peacock has two feeds that's the NBC feed, you have Phil. Liggett and uh, it used to be Paul Sherwin. He passed away a few years ago, uh, but the Bob, Bob Roll, okay, those two. Uh, and they are Cavendish sycophants in a sense. And then you have the world feed, which is Ant McCrossan and Nicholas Roach. Uh, Nicholas Roach is French slash Irish. Uh, McCrossan is British. Um, they're, they're pretty good. They weren't going over the top with the Cavendish stuff. And then there's GCN, which is all British, Orla's, well, Orla's uh uh, Irish, but you have Dan Lloyd, Adam Blythe, who's grown up racing with Cavendish. Um, you do have Robbie McEwen, who's Irish, but then, you know, Colt, Carton Kirby, Rob Hatch, Sean Kelly, Irish. But So there's a lot of love, though, with Cavendish, and they were not doing well. And then I went on Twitter, and I could also see that <laughs> they weren't doing well there. I thought they gave more of a sympathy ploy to Cavendish than they did to Gino Mater when he crashed and died on course. Now, I'm being facetious here. Uh, I also expected at some point for GCN to kind of come out and say, we need a neutral, we need it all neutralized tomorrow in honor of Cavendish. That's that's how they were treating this thing. Now, once again, I'm not a sycophant on the, on the respect for that. 
Uh, it sucked that this is the way he went out. But what I, what I want to emphasize once again is the precariousness of the race and to actually emphasize the, the strength of his wins based on how you can just easily crash out like this. And the fact that he has slid across the line multiple times. Maybe he got crashed out by us. Well, he did get crashed out. Sagan got DQ'd a few years ago. I mean, this is, you know, he, he does it riding in a way that you are in the mix and you're going to get crashed and that happens. So, um, oh, we got a few comments here. Victor says calcium supplements and have endorsements soon. <laughs> yes. Uh, GCN, Brian says GCN stopped all post race coverage to talk about how much they were bummed out. Yes. As a matter of fact, Adam Blythe was going, come on, mate, get up, get up. I was like, oh, geez. Okay. Uh, and I could, I can mock that to some extent because there was a great race still to be had. Okay. And it sucks that this is the way it went out, but he's old. He's Cavendish. He's won plenty. And we can't, this is also the thing you can't guarantee breaking history. I think we get so into the mindset of uh, fairy tale, you know, and everything's scripted in a sense where a Cavendish comes in there and you expect him to possibly, and he's been doing fairly well. I mean, second place yesterday was it. And that's also maybe just fate doesn't want this to happen. Maybe Eddie Merckx has so much control. And, and, and by the way, would the tour have been right to relegate him uh, Phillips in yesterday to give Cav the, the, the way uh, that that feels wrong. And, and by the way, there was the comments of what are we going to do? Wait till someone crashes kind of in sprinting. Yeah. When someone crashes, that's a, I mean like Philipson uh, or Jakobsen slash Gronawagen in tour of Poland. That was horrendous. Yeah. Shit happened. Uh, there was legal stuff being threatened. So it does make it uh, seem a little bit. Um, Vinokurov can't afford fairy tales. That's true. Um, he did win. Was it the Olympics? I think he paid Sammy Sanchez. I think for that, or one, or Liège, or one of those races. Uh, he's been known to do. Okay, so here's where Casper Asgreen decides to head up the road. They tell then De Klerk, "Hey, sit up." And De Klerk's like, "What? Why is he trying to get up here?" And then finally, he he did sit up. And then uh, you had um, Jumbo hitting the, the the front. You had uh, Van Hoydonk coming up here. Now, they, Van Hoydonk, Kelderman, uh, Laporte, I think Kelderman was up there a little bit, uh, but definitely Christophe Laporte. Um, I don't know why, and I know you're keeping him out of trouble, but it's almost more of a problem. And you can see, you, you end up, I think it comes into fruition here of even having uh, Vingago in the top three up here. How, why don't you have him sit and maybe uh, close the door uh, for um, Wout? You're not, he doesn't take the, matter of fact, there was one time where he, he goes, he came to, Van Hoydonk is done here. I think Kelderman comes to the front. Kelderman can't hold the, uh, all the way up the final climb. And so they're like, hey, we need someone else to come here. And Vinga goes like, I'm not taking a pole. And they got Laporte up there to do it. And then Laporte had to actually do the final. And why are you in the mix? That's what I'm saying. You can be up there, Jonas, but just get the get the F out of there if that's the, what the team's doing. And so it seemed like more of a problem. And then you you end up seeing a little bit of a problem at the finish here. Okay, so here here's actually, the I think, the situation where Jonas, because um, L Laporte actually had to then make a big effort to come around and take over. And then he's back on the front. And once again, Jonas is riding second wheel. I don't know why he's doing this, but you got Cocard up there. Uh, all the way to the top of the climb, they really shut this break down, and then they caught it. Now, 5.6 to go. Um, Simon Yates crashes. There was some talk of a spectator maybe got in the road. 
Now he was outside the 3.5, 3.6 or whatever they were going to go. So he didn't get, he lost time today, which is pretty bad. He didn't, he looked like he was maybe limping too. He got back on his bike pretty quick. He must've been somewhat okay. Cause he only lost 40 some seconds. So we'll take a look at that. Okay. Tyler, uh, did you see the crash cyclist at the edge of bike control? I don't, is this the one you're talking about, Victor? I don't know exactly. Um, possibly. I mean, this, this is the only crash I, I really saw here. So, um, Anyway, so he gets back on Simon Yates. There was a guy crass for total energies. You can see him on the left side of the road on the ground there. He doesn't get back. Oh, there you go. So he doesn't uh, he doesn't make it back into the race. But there you go. Simon Yates trying to make it back. Skill most. Now, here's the good stuff, which is little trek. Little by little, as one of the, the headlines said, little by little, they're going to get the Mads win. Uh, Skillmos comes to the front here. You had Ciccone. Ciccone actually like, jettisoned himself out after doing a bunch of work. They were all in. I mean, like all in for uh, Mads Pedersen. I didn't see Quinn Simmons doing the work here, but he, I think he might have done it uh, earlier on the day. Um, so you had um, the, what's the guy's name? Anyway doesn't matter. We come into the finish here and Christoph Laporte has to get back on the front and Mads Pedersen gets dropped off on the wheel here. You got Christoph Laporte bringing up Wout. Then you have Vanderpol bringing up uh, uh, Philipson. Uh, you got Mads Pedersen here. Germay is over here. And surprisingly in the mix, you have Grunewagen. So because by the way, those climbs coming into the finish were pretty rough. And this last 100 meters here, they come around the corner and it's all up the hill. So you've really got to be a display of power. Um, uh, you got Matthew Vanderpool hits the, the front of the race here. Right here, you can kind of see this. And it's it's actually uh, what what causes a big problem, which is Christophe, we'll back up just a bit. Christophe Laporte, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll this here just a little bit. There you go. Christophe Laporte, he starts, he's done. He starts to peel off. And what happens is, and if you can see it even better from the overhead, Wout kind of gets stalled on that. And with that, when these guys are hitting the, he's already got a gap. Now you've got um, Mads Pedersen over here on the left. He starts to hit out. Right next to him is Vanderpool leading out Philipson. Then you've got Grunewagen on the far right. And Julian Alaphilippe thinks for some reason he's going to be a part of the mix. He just... <laughs> He's funny to watch because he did a good job of getting himself in position to just really screw a bunch of people over here, like Cocard. Uh, you'll see in a second. There you go. Um, so while now look, Pedersen is uh, Matthew Vanderpool pulls off. Gronewagen comes through. You've got Phillips in here. He's already on the wheel, but Mads Pedersen hit this thing hard, and he is taking this thing as best he can all the way up the climb. There's a tad bit of a hill there, and then you can see him coming to the finish. And Philipson looks over. There's no chance for him to get around. And it really was the strongest man on the day. But what well, the most amazing was Wout comes up here, pips uh, Gronewagen for third, and he gets himself in the mix. And and if well, and so you had um, Mads Pedersen with the win, Philipson second, uh, and Wout third. And here's right here, you'll see this. This is with Laporte on the front. He's got Wout. The two guys, Vanderpol starts the sprint, and this is probably the problem. This is when Wout actually should have gone himself, but he still had Kristoff there. So he goes, and now he gets two guys coming around him, and right at the same time that Laporte's like, I'm done, and there you go. That's the day over right there for Wout because he has no chance. He has to pause a little bit, sit down, and then he kicks, and at this point, uh, <laughs> that's also you can see Philippe ducking to the left. He's in 
two, four, six. He's in sixth place right there, and he just says, I'm out, which is pretty pathetic. But look how far back Wout has already got a, a bike uh, behind um, Grunewagen. He's uh, two or three bikes behind uh, Philipson and all the way back here. And and then by the finish of it, he's um, he's ready. He suddenly comes into the picture right at the finish line for third place. There you go. Matthew uh, Mads Pedersen, Philipson, Wout, Grunewagen, Eckhoff, Cocard, Deboist, Tiller, Strong, and Pogacar are in 10th place. I don't see Alaphilippe there anywhere. Uh, so there you go. Um, Philipson uh, just solidifies his place in the green jersey even more over Cocard, Pedersen, who does get a move up, uh, Wout. And and by the way, Jumbo, still without a stage win, uh, still looking for that. Hopefully, that well, they'll probably say to themselves, we hope to get one on Pointe Dome tomorrow. 25 seconds over Pogacar. Now, Hindley is still in third, but you got a little shake up here because Rodriguez moves up into fourth. Adam Yates moves up into fifth, and Simon Yates moves from fourth all the way down to sixth. Now he's 401 behind. He lost, what, 47, I think, seconds today. So a um, little bit of a bummer. There, here's what we have tomorrow. 182.4 kilometers going to and uh, finishing up the Puy de Dome, and we'll take a look at that uh, here in a second. Let's see if we have anything else here. Uh, Horner said with Mads win, he gets into Valhalla. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's, that's what they have in Denmark over there. Uh, by the way, Brian mentioned you, we had a conversation yesterday where I was I was talking about the, the stage, uh, was it six, uh, where I didn't think the jumbo did the right tactics. And then Brian said, hey, corner disagreed now horner I, I just watched it after i did my show yesterday i don't like to watch horners before because i don't want to be tainted with his his views and i think he has some of the best analysis so i kind of in a sense judge my, myself off of what he says here uh but i do it after the fact to see if i if i even match up and he had um and i I was I was what I said, and then I saw what he said after stage six, and then he said some more after stage seven, which softened himself just a little bit, saying that look, it wasn't such a bad idea, but going over uh, the tourmalade, they should have sat up and then waited for everybody. I'm just saying, I think Vinigo, from where he attacked, dropping Sepkos and trying to drop Pogacar, going all the way to the top, he should have. If you couldn't get rid of Pogacar in a move, then you just don't tail you don't drag, drag him all the way to the top that's just senseless at that point matter of fact wait take sep with you just sit up sep will come back as you saw sep, sep still wasn't all that far back behind uh wait for him uh, bring him with you and you're then going to go into the last climb with sep Kuss, and that's a much better position than you are with just wow what can really help you if you're in position to do like you did up the how to calm last year which is he destroys Pagachar, and then you're going solo. But if you don't get rid of him, then you're just done, and he's done and over as well. Um, there you go. That's kind of my two, two cents. Two cents on that one. Okay, um, let's bring up the results, and then we'll talk. I, we, we already talked about the results. Kind of went through that, but um, uh, just see if anybody we could see this here. Uh, Adam Yates up one. Like I said, Carlos uh, Rodriguez two down for Simon. Uh, Landa loses uh, three places. He's just kind of shit in the bed here. Um, everyone else kind of moves up here below him. Who else went down? Kelderman went down, probably because of his work. Ciccone moves down three. Uh, Egan Bernal got spit out as well. He's done for the GC. Uh, Johannesson, uh, he, for a Uno X, he loses three spots. Sixth place down here, Juan Pedro Lopez of the Little Trek team, because he did a bunch of work. Um, but at least in the forties, you know, this will go up and down. No one really uh, cares. Let's see just how the Americans did on the day. I think I saw 
also that um, Nelson Palace is still in the climbers jersey, the polka dot jersey. He lost some spots because he just jettisoned himself out. He's probably trying to save himself for tomorrow. Subkus, 10th place uh, on GC. Palace down 4 to 50th, 47 minutes out. Jorgensen, Mattel Jorgensen, 60th at 54. And then you've got Craddock, Vermaka, and uh, Quinn Simmons at 160, almost two hours back. Booyah. Okay. Uh, Brian, I appreciate you and you guys joining in tonight. Uh, my wife's birthday today. We went out, had a good time, expensive meal, because that's what you do. Uh, and now I'm back here uh, doing a show. It seems like the only time Paul gets dropped, it's obvious because he doesn't respond to any attacks. He never fakes his form. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Victor says, uh, thank you for mentioning the USA. Yeah. Thanks, Victor. And, and remind me because I do want to go through and to see how all those writers are using on a bunch of them. And and for the most part, we're going to be talking about the main two, which is Sepp Kuss and um, Nilsson Palace because they're featured more, right? Uh, Nilsson's up there getting the KOM jersey. Sepp Kuss is a vital, vital point for Jonas Vingigo's uh, bid for victory. And then you got the other players, and I think you're just going to keep seeing them. I mean, uh, Quinn Simmons is doing his work for uh, Mads Pedersen, which you got the win today. That team's looking very happy now that that's happened. Maybe you'll see Quinn Simmons getting his chance to kind of go out and, and strike out on his own. Um, you've got uh, Jorgensen, who can do whatever, because now uh, Enric Moss, you know, crashed out on stage one, so he's got a chance. He's just got to kind of coming to a little bit more fitness than he's, he's had there. Lawson Craddock is working for Simon Yates and then Vermaka for Roman Bardet, who's not looking so great either. Uh, happy birthday, Mrs. Yankee. Yes, I appreciate that. Uh, and she will as well. Um, she's a, she's a wonderful person. Um, okay. So here's today's stage. We saw that already. And then tomorrow, the Puy de Dome, which I, I'm just fascinated by. Um, uh, they went up it and, and I've got a little bit of a history here. Maybe we'll take a look at this here or maybe not. Um, in sport, I think I mentioned this yesterday, cycling, um, 1964, Raymond Polidor battled with Jacques Uncatil. Um, but I think Fernandez won up that day. I, I have to look at it. We're going to look at it in more depth tomorrow. Um, and then Eddie Merckx in 1975, like I said, he was punched in the kitty by a spectator. Um, I think it was won that year, uh, by Luis Ocaña, maybe. And then 88, they went up there again, and um, now they're, they're going up here this time. So it, it, they basically shut it down. There's not, you can only go up there like right in, in your bikes at like 7 to 9 a.m. Uh, they don't really open it up much. So it'll be interesting to see if there's even um, much for spectators tomorrow um, for those those times. So um, the Puita Dome, though, as far as the stage goes itself, it is, we've talked about this. 7.1 kilometers for the first part at 5. Uh, I'm sorry, 5.5 kilometers at 7.1%. And then 4.5 at 11.5%. So that last bit, think about that. 11.5%, that's average gradient for the last four and a half kilometers. That's steep, steep stuff. Um, I mean, it's not like the Angreloo, which is in the 20s. But, you know, as far as average goes for the whole thing, that's kind of where they broke that down. I mean, if you put those two together, you got 7, 11, 12, 13 kilometers or so close to it, to, uh, or 11.6. And then at, you know, I mean, 9, 10% total, that's going to be pretty brutal. There's a little respite, respite in the bundle. Uh, as far as going before there, you've got a 4 uh, 2.3 at 4.7%, uh, 2 kilometers at 4.4, 4, 
3.9 at 4.8. It'll be interesting to see if um, Nelson Palace tries to get out and ahead of this to get a few more points uh, because the HC is going to just blow it up. I think there's 20 points. I want to, I want to say for an HC category climb. So there you go. Um, how about we do real quick little part on some of the, the news articles. I mean, you know, uh, I don't want to begrudge. I, I want to say, oh, it's all about Cavendish because it is. Uh, it's it is uh, all about Cavendish. But to some extent, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's historical. I mean, if you put it in the perspective of, hey, uh, uh, Eddie Merckx is uh, crashing out, it would be a big deal. And for the same respect, you know, I'm not saying Cavendish is Eddie Merckx. I'm just saying Cavendish is up there tied with Eddie Merckx on uh, things. So terrible loss. Cavendish team reacts to sprinters abandonment. Let's see what cycling uh, weekly has to say pretty pretty uh, significant picture there you can see the the motorbike we were watching the other side of this and then this was the other side um uh, as far as cameramen were taking shots here and yeah you knew immediately he was done and dusted um it's really sad day for us uh downcast johnny moscon told the media including cycling weekly at the stage the crash was quite bad i stayed with him to see how he was but it was clear that he wasn't able to keep going he was suffering. There wasn't much to say. I tried to see how it was and I could, if I could help him back in the race, but he had to abandon. Um, like Moscow and De La Cruz was at Cavendish's side when he hit the asphalt. We were going uphill at a quite steady tempo. The Spaniard said it was just a crash between a few riders. They touched each other and they couldn't react. Mark just fell in a bad position with the collarbone. That's it. Well, I, I like I said, I was watching the, the um, NBC coverage and they, they zoomed in and he hit and he went straight over the top. So you're almost doing like a, a body slam like you would have in wrestling uh, at no speed. He's just straight down to the ground onto his shoulder. So it, uh, it wasn't actually good. Still haven't had to watch Cav cry. Yeah, and he, you know, he didn't, he didn't cry this time. And he would cry if he won, but he didn't cry here. And by the way, I saw uh, the, the, the post-interview with uh, Jonas. They, they, as he's in the, the media press zone, and they said, hey, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Cavendish crashed out. And you could see immediately he hadn't been told. He was quite shocked by it. And I, I, it was more emotional watching, <laughs> watching him react to something in a raw moment than it was to see all the GCN people uh, lament uh, this thing. So I was like, oh, it, it, was, it was somewhat interesting. It's, and it's one of his you know, fallen comrades, in a sense. Uh, from the beginning of the tour, we knew it was possible for Mark to get 35th, 35th victory after his performance yesterday. We believed in him even more. We were really confident in the following stages. We believed it was possible to get that victory. All right, let's see if there's any um, quotes here from the Mads uh, little team. <clears throat> Mads Pedersen, um, the boys did such a good job. This final suits me better than the other finals, he said. Those easy days with high speed and the fast finishes are not easy for me, but it's possible for me to aim for the win today. I showed what happens when I have the power to go for the win. The boys did a perfect lead out in the last five kilometers. So, with that in mind, I, I, I want to just mention this. You saw the top four, okay? Mads Pedersen, which this is the prime type of stage finish for him. It's got a little punch up the hill. You've got some hills to soften everyone up before. Remember, you had, what, stage three or four there coming into the motor park, whereas one of the most boring days until the last finish. That Everyone is jacked and thinking that no one's worn out. So they all are trying to get up to the front. It's a little cranky around the, the, the race. That's not the kind of race that Mads needs. He needs to have everyone softened up because he comes over the climbs better. And then and then he, it was perfect for that. You had a bunch of little pitches right before the finish, five, six kilometers. You saw that before the finish. And then the finish itself had a ramp up to it. And it was idyllic, idyllic for uh, Mads Pedersen to get the win. 
Then you've got Jasper Philipson, who is put in position as best he can by Matthew Vanderpool. I mean, that was, once again, perfect lead out for him. He came around him clean. He went straight up the hill. There was no argy-bargy problems. And he is so strong right now that he got over the climbs and still almost made it up there when it was totally not his kind of finish. Then, and I'll go to Wout in a second, but then you have Grunewagen who got up and over the climbs. You don't expect that, but he got up and over the climbs and then he was able to push himself to the finish. That, that's just showing pure power from that guy. This is not at all, once again, his type of finish. Remember, Tour Poland, he's about winning that thing as they're spinning out in a 55 going you know, 70 kilometers an hour plus. That's his type of thing. Pure power, pure speed, but he got so much of it and I think he's, if you put him in position, this race has all been about positioning though. I think Philipson one is the fastest you saw that today, but he, and he didn't win today, but I still think he's the fastest. Uh, and then he gets put into position the best. And he doesn't have for the last two to three kilometers have to do any work to, to move himself around. Gronewagen has been having to push himself up, coming from 20, getting up in there, doing a lot of work. And then his guy drops him off with, you know, 700 to go on the outside in the wind next to the guy and it's just, I, I'm sorry this you just he's just exuding tons of energy and watts are just exuding out of this guy so that's been a problem then you had Wout today who I think was probably this was even more his position he could climb better than Mads Pedersen he's got a great kick and then had a bit of a pitch up the hill he just got let off in the wrong spot so one thing you could probably talk about is what happens when you have a lead out and you're coming in, where does your lead out go? Does your lead out move or does your sprinter move? And these are things that need to be worked out. I mean, like as an example, when Kristoff, he couldn't really go anywhere and he was done. He just sat up, but there was no way for Wout to go. You know, it's better for him to, as he's powering to be able to spin off and to have a clean spot for your guy uh, than for you to just stop and now those guys are coming past so you know some things need to work out there I, I think it was just racing and it just happened i don't know that he did anything wrong i don't know that wout did anything wrong but except for not going quick enough and if he had gone a little bit quicker uh is what i mean by not quicker uh sooner if he had if he had jumped a little bit sooner he may have had a, a chance at the win and, and you can see when he did finally jump he had to accelerate to get up to him, and then he was accelerating through him, and you know he missed a he missed an opportunity there. Um, so that's uh, just what it is. Um, one more thing here. Let's take, let's start to dig in just a bit, and then we're done for the day. I got I got things to do. Um, this is tomorrow. Then we got a rest day. Then you are starting to look at next week. So you're you're getting a few climbs here. This is actually to me what looks like a perfect day for. Um, Nielsen Palace out there, not tough climbs, but there's enough climbs and there's some cat threes and whatnot as far as, I don't know if you win, but I think you could get up the road to get some, get some time. It's definitely a breakaway. And, and same with the stage 11, um, the Maloons, uh, also break. They look kind of jaggedy, but they're, they're not much. I mean, it's cat four, cat four, uh, cat four and stage 12 of three, 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 two two that's pretty lumpy this is uh this is your typically you would say you know like your liege best on liege type of thing it can be a gc type of rider i mean this is a mike woods type of day perhaps um maybe it's not quite hard enough for him but then you start getting into the big stuff it's just a sprint in the grand grand uh columbia i mean this is 137 kilometers that's uh that's a short race that's gonna be almost 
I remember they did that a few years ago. I think that's when they did the staggered start. And maybe it was even up to Columbia uh, at that time as well. But that one was like, what, 60, 80 kilometers, uh, really short. Or maybe it was about the same distance. So uh, it's kind of that same thing. They got a sprint in the middle, and then it's just all hell's balls going to the, the climb. Uh, and then you start to hit some of these bigger ones, the one, one, one in an HC up the Col de Juplan. I think the Juplan was where the one year Lance Armstrong miraculously held on for uh, to hang. To, to do, he was bonking up there. He needed food. He probably held onto a car. Maybe got a, a quick uh, needle to the leg. Uh, and then, anyway, last week uh, finally get a time trial. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll go over those more in detail as it comes up here. Um, Brian says. Wout could have said pull if pull off left right yeah he could now, the problem though you're, you're totally right Brian but the problem you do have there is by the time Kristoff was starting to pull off um, you had uh, Philipson on one side you had Matt Vanderpool I think was or Matt Mads Pedersen was coming on one side I think Vanderpool was still on there so it was uh, there was nowhere for Kristoff to go either and so it just it it's kind of happened the way it happened unfortunately uh but that's you know that's bike racing too so uh anyway i i was fascinated today i i thoroughly enjoyed the finish it's good to have a different sprinter in there um bummer for mark cavendish but you know it's, it's what happens it's bike racing and once again i was just emphasize that it's bike racing isn't easy pimping ain't easy but, the, but especially bike racing isn't easy and and he's been able to get 34 wins out of it you can't guarantee breaking history. You don't always get the fairy tale you want. And uh, who's happier today? Mercs? <laughs> How do you think Mercs feels about this? I'd be really interesting to know deep down to see like, see like this, uh, what, 72 Dolphins uh, NFL football where they're like, you know, the undefeated season and no one else has been able to do it. And every year they're like, sweet, no one else, just us. Uh, could be. I don't know if he's a dick like that, but uh, could be. Um, Pogacar, I think he's our next guy to do it. All right, everybody. Take care tomorrow. Like, subscribe. See you tomorrow.